Welcome to Bicycle Retail Radio, the bicycle industry podcast that brings retailers, vendors, advocates, and thought leaders to the mic for honest discussions about the latest issues facing retailers while taking an in-depth look at the person within the profession. This is Heather Mason, MBDA president. The conversation today is with Mike Herlinger, founder of Club Ride Cycling Apparel. I loved this conversation with Mike. We chatted about the importance of the simple existence of riding apparel that offers technical fabrics, lifestyle vibes, and premium features, allowing us to go from ride to post-ride. We chatted on how you as a retailer can use branded clothing to build store culture and position, and how to introduce cycling clothing to every rider, including all those new riders who recently found our sport. This was deep insightful, fun, and I know you're going to enjoy it. Hello, Mike. Thank you for coming on the podcast. I am really looking forward to getting into this conversation. I feel like we've been friends for years. It feels that way, doesn't it? It does. It does. And we're finally getting together and doing this. About time. (laughs) Face to virtual face. Maybe we've been too busy riding and working, but this, I'm glad we're doing this one. You know from our friendship over the years that Club Ride is my personal go-to cycling wear. Worked with you with the Bianchi Damas. We work with you through the National Bicycle Dealers Association. I think the gear is great because I go from the trail to the pub. Sometimes I drop my kids off to school, pre-ride. I mean, I cross into running and hiking. They're my personal favorites. Coming as MBDA president, I want to tell you that talking to retailers, I'm hearing that clothing is a really tough category. And also some of my friends who are cyclists, you know, they get into ruts. They can't find the right style. We don't want to wear Lycra, but we don't want to wear cutoff jeans either. So it's like, Mm -hmm. what are we, what are we doing here? So super important segment for our industry. And you're the expert, right? I would consider myself an expert, not the expert (laughs) by any means. So we could just start there. I won't, I won't claim like top of the uh, the pyramid on this one by any means. That's okay. All right. So Mike, I did a little search and you get ready for our conversation today. Uh-oh. And Uh-oh. No, 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 don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> I think I came across a tagline that says something to the point of Club Ride mm-hmm. offers a variety of products that are built for performance and designed for life. So just open us up. What's that mean? What's the yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah I, I guess I'll start. I started this company in 2008 and... I was working at a sports store back then called the Elephant's Perch, which is in Ketchum or Sun Valley area in Idaho, which is a pretty cool place if you haven't been to. Yeah, I was going for a bike ride and I was going to meet somebody after the ride in a place called the Wicked Spud. And I was wearing the, the team kit, the shop kit or something, which consisted of, you know, like tight arms and the fitted Lycra kits and things like that. And I was asked to go grab a burger and a beer. And I'm like, oh man, I gotta, I, I can't show up at the Wicked Spud at this blue collar sort of construction worker place sitting on the deck. One, it's like felt like totally awkward and it wouldn't, it wouldn't be comfortable off the bike. So I went back in my closet and changed and I was inspired by this kind of vintage retro party shirt that I picked up in Hermosa Beach way back in college. And I was like, oh man, I was riding single speed, sort of like irreverent and all this stuff. And I was like, it would be super rad to go ride my bike in this thing. And it's like, you know, anyway, I, I changed into a tech shirt because, you know, nothing really existed at the time in my closet or in the, in the market that was like that. And I thought there really should be. So I started doing some research just to see what else was out there. And I, I didn't see anything in the marketplace at the time. And this is 08, really, that was like we're making right now and that we started to make it. You know, everything was really either the sort of baggy sort of enduro DH concept, very moto inspired, very SoCal or the fitted road Lycra kit concept. There was nothing in between. And so I'll take the the hat on, like we pioneered this category. It was, it was super cool. We wanted clothing that we could, you know, ride our bikes in comfortably, which meant that it had to be performance. It had to have all these like technical attributes, quick dry wicking, sun protection, all the good stuff, pockets, et cetera. But then you had to be able to get off of your bike and live your life. I mean, we're you know, we do so many things as active adults, right? You know, we're active people, I should say. And bike is just one of them, you know, and we take care of our kids, we mow our lawn, we have to like, you know, take care of our house, we go to work, we go to the pub, we travel all these things and never really made sense that outdoor had an approach to that, that you could wear outdoor clothing, or tons of, you know, activities and and bike was just like, you know, you had to be on your bike and then change right afterwards. And I didn't think that really needed to be the case anymore. 
anyway, so I started making clothing that was based on that sort of discovery or that epiphany, you know, that just that that moment in time where I was like, wow, there should be something cool out there and I'm going to make it. I love it. And listening to you tell that story, I remember I was working in a shop at the time and and going to Interbike and you would go to the trade show and then all of a sudden now there's this cool new brand that's like lit up with cool fabrics and funky things going on. I remember back when you had Scott Montgomery in the booth and there's mm-hmm. a lot going on and everyone was paying attention to it because it was just that. It wasn't like you have to do the side of the car change hustle anymore, dropping your drawers mm-hmm. in the parking lot. There's now this <laughs> cool, cool option. You know, flash forward to today, Mike, the past two years, we've really expanded with this incredible bike boom, welcomed all these new cyclists to our sport who maybe, you know, aren't the typical racer. And so I'm feeling like maybe there's people searching for the club ride style, that casual cycling apparel, that technical apparel. Is your data showing you the same thing? Yeah, absolutely. We've we've seen like a, a pretty large influx of new consumers out of come to our brand that were either new in the industry or new in the bike world or just new to us anyway. But I'm, I'm pretty much thinking like they were new to the bike world when we were, you know, during the COVID years. And Club Ride, I think was really, is really positioned nicely for those consumers. You're entering into this space. Bike can be somewhat intimidating, right? You know, it's like, it, it just is. Right? From the sport, you see these guys on TV and they're just kicking butt, right? They're like fully like kitted out. They're like, sinewy and just like going for it right and you're like oh my god i could never be a cyclist right so it's this intimidating world or like dh right you see these guys are red bull rampage and the stuff that's broadcast right you never see the other stuff really it's just because you know that that is really authentic and really what happens but you see these things you're like oh my gosh this is intimidating and then club ride comes in and it's sort of like all like very inclusive welcoming way of like you know different body types and different body shapes different age groups or whatever it might be can just fit into our clothing. It stretches. It, it's obviously a looser fit. So it just drapes nicely and it works really well and kind of invites people into the sport easily, in my opinion, and allows them to then get off the bike and go live their every, like, like I said earlier, kind of go do the, all the other things that they need to do in, in life. So yeah, we, we saw a whole bunch of new consumers come into our fold anyway, over the last couple of years. That's so great. And I'm thinking about my daughter does the Nike program and she loves the club ride because she doesn't have to wear the tight Lycra. It's got the cool fabrics and you're reaching a lot of people. It is really interesting. You mentioned Nike and, you know, we, we support Nike corporate and, or, you know, nationally as well as locally. My daughter races too at at the high school level and she has for the last couple of years. And actually it's super awesome, you know, because you know, our our customers, you know, mid thirties to mid fifties, you know, that's the meat of, of our customers, right? And they go above and beyond, like above and below that. But then I go to these NICA events and you see these eighth graders and ninth graders like just wanting a club ride piece. I'm like, oh my gosh, like it is so cool to see. And not just because they're like buying it and like whatever. It's just cool to see that these kids are kind of expanding their views and, you know, interested in a brand like this that is doing stuff a little bit differently. So it's been fun watching the Nike program grow and and, and it's fun to be part of it. I'm just listening to you and I'm thinking, imagining back, you what, what do you say when the vision came to you, 2008? Is that yes. when? Yeah, in, in, in eight, 2008 sometime, yeah, sometime like June, July or something like that. So speed up to now and you're seeing, like you just mentioned, the, the Nike youth kids you know wanting to wear club ride that must feel awesome like did you could you ever have imagined right not then no for sure i mean it was i think we changed like i've changed a bit a lot since that time you know the even though i was like inclusive and trying to like bring this style into the sport and and what have you i was still a little bit on the ego side of things right like i said i was riding single speed and you know honestly i (laughs) You know, so that alone, and I and I still do. But anyway, point being, it was like, you know, I wanted to show up at these races, you know, these weekend races or whatever, totally amateur, show up at these races in this like cowboy shirt, right? Pearl snaps, collar, plaid, Looking you know, awesome. and then kick butt on the guy, like on the single speed, right? The steel single speed, da da da, just like throw down against these guys on like $8,000, you know, bullies or whatever in the full kits. It was bad. It was super awesome to like, you know, sprint ahead of these guys and just show it like, you know, I would, I would even cut my sleeves off my shirts just to like even prove a bigger point. But anyway, I still have fun with that. I still cut the sleeves off my shirts because it's super funny. 
but that whole like ego part of it has has changed quite a bit and it's become like you know it, it's just part of my life and it's part of me wanting to bring more people into the sport i think it's such an amazing industry that we're all able to be part of and, and us being able to work in and it's really encouraging to see more people come into the sport so it's really less about ego and more about creating a category that just you know is inclusive and you know honestly like my main goals is to be the brand that can tie together all the different aspects of bike i mean cuz still there's a lot of walls in between the different categories of bike you have you know road and gravel kind of go together but still there's you know a, a line between the two and then you have the mountain side of things and then you have the commuter side right and they're all different like they're all different and that's fine but it's it's like different in a sense of like you know you stay in your lane i'm going to stay in my lane thing and that you know i think we're all doing this because we love two wheels right and you know i want to be the brand that can sort of tie this all together from an all inclusive like place from a soft goods perspective anyway that's okay so a couple things we're definitely riding soon and i'm going to cut my sleeves off too yeah. <laughs> we made we so we did make a shirt like that it was called the billy bob you know, I made small runs on it. And so last year, you know, so we were talking about 24 hours of O Pueblo and I'm getting ready for that. And I'm riding single speed, doing solo. And yeah, you got to do the rock drop with the cutoff sleeve thing. It, you just get like tons of cheers and it's it's super fun. It's a great moment. As long as you don't like into it at the very bottom. Of it. It's not so <laughs> right. That's something you don't want to do. You know, you're talking about ego and it sounds, you know, thank you for sharing that personal side of yourself. But at the same time, I feel like what you're doing is helping people like drop that like road biker ego and uniting community because retailers who show the product in their store, other riders who are out together, you're just having a good time. You're making it fun. You know, I hear you talk about just cutting the sleeves off and it's about it should be about bright colors and cool graphics and just fun out there. So it is. And, you know, it's not just road either. It's it's like, you know, every sport has its sort of ego to it, right? Whether it's like whitewater kayaking or you know, mountaineering or, or climbing and stuff like that, where you just have that group of people that are like, I want to keep this small and like, you know, not allow people to come into my sport. Right. And there's a lot of my, my, my going on here too, but still we, we see it in the bike side of things where it is like, you know, it's, it's hard for a beginner to come into the sport, you know? And I think, you know, when we talk even about like, you know, on the retail side of things, it's like being inviting into like new consumers coming in, knowing that they're like kind of intimidated. Hey, man, it's such a, huge part of our success into like growing this market as well as to being successful as a as a you know independent retailer too it's we have to be really inviting and accommodating and inclusive to all sorts of people so but anyway that, that's a whole nother topic of conversation yeah. i'm sure that we'll talk about uh, i'm with you on that so all right let's stay at the startup stage so you've got this idea oh, we're still there yeah i'm still there so what i mean how do you do this like you had no experience uh, you know it was so scary it was so so scary. Yeah, I was actually when I was saying that, I was closing my eyes, kind of remembering too. And I think maybe the the reason why I was able to do it is because I didn't know anything at the time. And if I someone told me this once, just like talking to a product development person and you know, talking about the idea and such, he's like, you know, I thought about starting my own business, my own like clothing company, but I know too much. I'm like, what does that mean? You know, like I know too much, like ooh, or whatever. And and now I understand, like, oh my gosh, there's there's so much involved, obviously, and in, in starting any business, not just clothing, it's it's any business. It's it is hard and it is draining and it is rewarding. And you know, there's so many ups and downs to the whole thing. I still feel that, you know, after 14 years for sure. But yeah, I mean, I, I literally was I went to outdoor retailer into the fabric room and I it's funny because I, I walked into this fabric room and there's like a hundred vendors in there with like fabrics, you know, all lined up and such. I'm like, I don't even know what to do. Like, I don't know what to do. I'm like, I'm not going to do anything. I am going to <laughs> turn around, get in my car and drive back to Idaho, you know? And so I called, I was married at the time. I called, you know, Carrie and she's like, okay, you're a good talker. So just walk up to the first person who makes eye contact with you and tell them what you want and tell them what you want to do. And then if you still feel the same way, then turn around and walk, you know, and come back home. So I did that. And, you know, this guy, Ken, he's like, you know, you know, looked at me, looked at me and I looked at him and I went over and introduced myself to him and told him what we were up to and, or what I was up to at the time. And I still work with a guy who yes. works at a fabric mill and, you know, still provides some fabrics for us and stuff. And, and so it, yeah, it was, it was kind of like giving myself a doctorate 
in manufacturing and supply chain and fabric technology in in every bit and aspect of this type of business. I really didn't I didn't know anything, you know, at the, at the time frame. I was doing sales and marketing other kind of work before before all this. I was, you know, I, I loved outdoor sports and I knew fabrics sort of just from like a, a merchandising person at a retail shop, but yeah, I, I didn't really understand what was going on and the whole technology behind it. It was hard. I'm sure you had to get some like early prototypes and like try them on and take them to the trail. And that had to have been kind of fun. Yeah, Yeah, it was kind of cool. I had, I found a seamstress that lives here in Sun Valley, which was odd. She used to work at the, in the LA garment market. Literally, I went to her with three or four shirts that I had, you know, somewhere like three pocket, whatever, you know, road jerseys, you know, because they work, they work really well, you know, and fabric was cool and, and such. And then I went with, and like, I brought my like party shirt with me and a couple other shirts, you know, sort of outdoor stuff. And I was like, here's what I'm trying to do. And it was literally like drawn on a napkin of the stuff that I wanted to, to make. And it probably wasn't a napkin, but anyway, it sounds better. It was drawn out on what could have been a napkin, I guess, at the time should have been a napkin. I had some fabric that I picked up from Oh, geez. I went, actually, it's kind of a fun story. I went out to, in Oregon to the Cream Puff 100 back when they were doing that event out there in Oak Ridge. And so I raced Cream Puff 100 and I was like, okay, guys, we're done. Like, I got to go to Portland. I have to go buy some fabrics. And they're like, what are you doing? Like, what? what are you doing? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to. Anyway, so I went up to this place called Rose City Textile, picked up. It's like one of those companies that has end lots of fabrics. Like when big companies order 10,000 yards, they use 9,000, whatever. 800, there's 200 left over. And so you can go in and buy some stuff. So anyway, I picked up a couple, you know, 20, 30 yards of fabric, brought it home and got it to Maria. And she sewed up some prototypes for me. Kind of cool. We were actually, Yuri Haswald was in town. Um, Yuri's such a great guy. Yeah, he's a a fun dude. He was in town. We, I was working at the shop. We went and single speeded up to the top of Bald Mountain, which was like a 4,000 vertical climb. It kicked my butt. And then we went to a place called Lefties. And I'm like, hey, I got to go boogie for a bit. I'm going to, I'll be back though. And so I went and picked up the shirt. And then it was, it was cool. I just remember sitting in a, the deck on Lefties and Yuri was there and a couple of my buddies and stuff. And I was like, hey, what do you think of this? And they're like, well, what is it? You know, and I'm like, you know, I had to go through the details of like, it's a riding shirt. You could like go and I could put it on. We could drink beers and stuff like that. So it was kind of a funny and fun and memorable kind of kickoff anyway of my first shirt. So. I love that story. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So, listen, are you any better at choosing the fabrics now? Uh, yeah, that thing weighed like eight pounds. It was so awesome. Like it was like your grandmother's drapes. Because I had no, like I said, I had no idea. You know, I probably chose this like jacket material, and like the shirt came out so heavy. I'm like, oh my god! Like <laughs> anyway, it was it was more of a visual than it was a functional thing. I'm much better at. So like, I wanted you to come on to talk about apparel in general, but also because I know you do branded apparel for retailers and, you know, at the MBDA, we're always wearing our shirts at all our trade shows. And when we're going to visit retailers, our P2 meetings, and they're a big hit. Our board members love them. So I want to talk specifically about how retailers can work with Club Ride, whether it's the branded apparel or selling Club Ride in their store as well, if that's okay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I love doing like we call it custom. You know, it's kind of semi-custom. We take the like, you know, for for your group, we take your logo and we drop it or print it or embroider it, depending on the fabric and the style, onto the garment of your choosing. And it really helps you and our partners kind of celebrate you. And it's like you be you, you know, and you know, get your brand out there. And whether it's team wear or uniform wear or service wear, shop, you know, uniforms, whatever that might be. We could definitely help out with that. It's 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 a really fun part of our business. So I was on your website. So for listeners, it's clubrideapparel.com. Super easy to navigate. And I know you sell direct to riders, but I also know, as we just spoke, that you do the branded apparel. And yeah. then you also do work with retailer. Oh, yeah. Stores, yeah. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, when COVID hit, we had to do, we had to make some changes to basically survive. And that meant coming back in a little bit uh, to bringing everything back in a little bit more. And so we ended up working with about 20, 25 um, some ride centers or part retail partners over the COVID years and uh, survived that, made some changes internally in the business. And now we're going back and expanding that wholesale market or that you know independent bike dealer and, and outdoor specialty outdoor as well, store footprint. So we are opening and working with uh, new dealers right now that have the ability to sell clothing, that understand merchandising, 
They love soft goods. They think that Club Riot has a place in their store that will help them um, or that is additive to their story. So yes, we answer long story short is we are working in the direct to wholesale market. We are working in the direct to consumer market. And then on the corporate side of things, like we were just talking about that, let's come back that to that because I really think that this custom stuff is super important because it really helps you be unique. So like talk about it from a wholesale perspective, right? You know, trailhead bikes and over the edge sports and all these people that have like brands that they really sort of love and have gotten out there across the country and in world really need to continue and you know poison spider you know need to continue to celebrate their brand and market their brand and obviously like putting that logo onto a shirt that then ends up in chicago and detroit and new york and la blah 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 really just helps them sort of continue their brand messaging and story. So it's super important. I think it really helps you still maintain a sense of uniqueness that nobody else is going to have that piece, even though it might be the same shirt, it will have the story that's in it. In my opinion, it's almost like that memory that you want to take home with you. You go to Moab and you go into Poison Spider and you know you have this cool shirt that you can wear around town and like show your friends and whatever. And it has this really nice embroidered logo on there that helps you sort of remember that time in Moab with your buddies or girlfriends or whatever it might be. It's a really good piece, I think, for all retailers to consider. I wouldn't you know, suggest going like full-blown like Poison Spider or something like that, unless you're in that kind of like pure destination market. But having a style or two that is, you know, logo to help you tell your story and use a market, use as a marketing piece is super important. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, we have our P2 program, which is our, our group of retailers that come together and they drive best business practices. And they're all 100% on board with what you're saying. You know, maybe it's a, a generic short, if you would, or maybe bib. But when it comes to the top, you know, have something custom, something that's memorable to the store that really ties in the culture. I mean, even with the MBDA, I don't know if you watch our, our social feeds, but when Rochelle, Rochelle and I take a photo we always do it in our club ride shirts and people are always yeah. commenting like super cool shirts. Oh my God. You know, people notice the shirts. So mm-hmm. it's hundred percent accurate what you're saying. And I think it even is going to magnify it more when you have a logo on there too, of like super cool shirt. You must've got that from wherever, right. You know, and it is important. So I really encourage retailers to consider that whether it's through us or through somebody else. And, you know, and I think everyone has like, you know, the custom again, like those, you know, the road jerseys or whatever they might be, the kits, right? And, and, you know, there's plenty of brands out there that are doing like custom kit stuff. But this is just another opportunity to have a custom something else. And again, that kind of goes into my like retail strategy of or retail math. And it's like, you know, every dollar, every square foot has to generate X amount of dollars based on what your sort of mortgage or rent is, right? And so really finding those items that are different from one another enough, but still additive to your own story. So that you're not continuing, like you're not cannibalizing the other pieces and you're just adding new opportunities from a, you know, from a sale perspective. So adding more apples to orange fields or whatever you want to analogy you want to use. So you have your custom kits, you know, with like the road stuff, whether it's, you know, Asos, Castelli or whoever it might be, I don't know who's doing it now. You have your, you know, your typical, you know, your road stuff, your, you know, color blocked or solid colors. You have your... DH, Enduro, Bro Baggy, BMXE, Moto stuff. And then you have this casual performance like Club Ride, I think is like, those are the three pieces. And then you could choose how to custom logo each one of those or a certain piece from each of those collections. And, and then I think you have a really good clothing story and you're not, you know, you're not cannibalizing each, each other one. I'm just going to add in there. I'm thinking about all the mountain bike destinations that I love to go to, whether it's like Bentonville or, or the Northeast Kingdom or, or Moab. And you go and you go into these cool stores and it's like, all right, I want to take something home with me and something that's branded, something that's unique, you know, with the cool graphics, whatnot. Totally clothing always is high on my on my list. So for sure. And I mean, t-shirts are cool and, and I have plenty for you know, for sure, but you know, they only a nice shirt that you could wear out, wear around, and you know, you're super proud of. And you know, it just goes a lot further, I think. And and if they last to our downfall sometimes, they they last a long time. You know, I, I still have stuff that's and, and I, you know, wear my stuff constantly and you know, that are you know, some of my stuff are like eight, nine years old and still going strong, you know. So yeah, you're admitting to a lot today on the podcast. I know, well, I know. I'm, it's all coming out. I mean, I'm kind of an open book, you know, sort of. It's you know, it is what it is, I guess. And you know, it's trying to have fun, run a business and make cool clothing and ride my bike, Hell ski, yeah. ski here and there and take care of my kids, you know, all these things. 
You're in Sun Valley, right? Is that where you yeah. are? Where you live? Yeah, I'm, I'm in. I'm actually in Haley, which is okay. basically Sun Valley. The you know, it's a valley that consists of Sun Valley, Ketchum, are the ski town areas. That's about ten miles north of us, where the mountain is and, and such. And then Haley is kind of the bedroom community, about like I said, ten miles south. And then it opens up to Bellevue a little bit further down. But yeah, Sun Valley area anyway. Is that where the headquarters is? It's cute global. Valley? Yeah. Yeah, again, COVID changed everything. It changed everything for a lot of people. We had everyone working in office here. Originally, we were in Ketchum, and then we moved down to Haley. And with COVID, you know, a lot of people went remote, and a lot of people then you know changed careers and such. And so now we're we're fairly remote. People in Bend in Bend, Oregon. I have three guys out there. I have guys in Boise and Salt Lake in California. You know, just across well across the western part of the country anyway. So we're pretty remote company nowadays. It's interesting how that changed everything. I did, yeah. Yeah. There's value to working together, but it's also nice to be remote. I don't know. It's it's a new way. Yeah. There's there's benefits either way. You know, grass isn't, you know, grass is greener or whatever the analogy is. Isn't always greener. <laughs> Where is the customization done? So if a retailer wanted to, well, you know, get in contact with you guys and start that process, what's that? Yeah. Like? So so as far as the process goes, we have guy inside Michael, Michael at Club Ride Apparel can help you set up your custom thing. So you kind of just identify the pieces that you're you're interested in. You definitely have to have a high-res version of your your logo. You get that to Michael and we'll drop it on the garment so you can see what you're you're going to get, you know. I mean, you approve that. Once it's approved, the products come to my office here in Haley. And then I have a local guy that I've worked with for about 10 years that does the embellishment here in Haley. And then we'll ship it out to your retailer or corporate office or whatever it is. So it's all done here. Your NBDA membership helps support Bicycle Retail Radio. Go to nbda.com to join or renew your membership today. So like you are actually seeing the end <laughs> That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, that's we're pretty hands we're pretty hands-on as far as the, the business goes. I love yeah, that. Yeah, for the most part. For the most part. I mean, it, it comes here and, you know, I have some people that take care of it and things and it goes from one place to another. But yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I see it. And That's awesome. Take a photo, talk to Michael and yeah, ship it out. Drop off stuff at FedEx occasionally. Yeah. It's, so it's you're a rider, you're out there, you're testing the fabric and, but things are like evolving. We have UV protection now. I mean, yeah. so many pockets, sunglass, like all these features. So how are you noticing or staying on top of what trends to put into the new garments as as they're coming out. Yeah, you know, there's various fabric shows across the country and we go to like functional fabric shows and kind of get an idea. You have follow things online. We haven't been to outdoor retailer in a while. You would like to go back to that again at some point. But uh, yeah, I mean, mainly at the, the fabric shows that we'll talk to the mills that are developing these things and get an idea of what's trending and what's new and what's hot in the marketplace. One of our big initiatives, a couple actually is on the, you know, sustainability side of things. And so we made a pretty big push to going to about, I would say about 75 to 80% of our stuff as we get into, I would say 60% in 23 and about 75 to 80% or more in 24 will be uh, made with some type of recycled materials. So that's been a pretty big initiative for us to include those type of yarns in our products. And then we helped financially one of our larger factories, uh, factory mill partners to become blue sign compatible, which is dealing with the the water, the dyes and the waters and things like that, how they dye the, the, the fabric. Anyway, to become blue sign compatible and, and they're out of India. So that's been, that was, we've been working on that for about four years. COVID again, like COVID, 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 right? Yeah. You know, kind of set them back for a couple of years. But they did get that that compatibility. So we'll be using Blue Sign here in the next little bit too. So that's that's been pretty rewarding. That's huge. The sustainability piece is big too. Congratulations. Big. So many yeah. things I'm not even thinking about that are part of your day-to-day routine, right? I mean, you got a lot of things going on over there. Yeah, I know. Like driving to FedEx, you know, changing everything to recycled materials. There's so many things that are going <laughs> podcasts, you know, those things. <laughs> Those are the things I obviously like, not obviously that, that I love to do like a huge program that is, you know, making a pivot over to a sustainable material base. I mean, it is 
huge. It's hard. I mean, because we're dealing with like multiple seasons of things that are happening all at one time. Like at any one point in time, we're probably working on four seasons, right? You know, dealing with leftover inventory from the previous season, stuff that's delivering right now. I'm, you know, working on fall 23 and then kicking off yeah, four or five seasons at, at a whack anyway. And so it's really challenging to make a big company pivot like that. But yeah, we're doing it and it doesn't happen overnight by any means, but we we will get there. All these things happening right now, the boom, and now retailers are reporting maybe a slight decline of traffic coming into the store. In the clothing se- sector, did you notice an increase in purchases, you know, during that, you know, 2020 summer? Yeah, 20- for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we did. I mean, a lot of new people came. I mean, think about it. Like, you know, you couldn't go to the gym anymore. You couldn't go to movies. You, could, you, know, you couldn't do all those things. And so people were looking for things to do on their own. And obviously you could be six feet apart on a bike. So that was kind of a, that our industry just, you know, skyrocketed with new people into the sport. So yeah, we did see that, that increase. Yeah. Have you ever had anyone ask you to work in a lip gloss specific pocket into <laughs> or a short <laughs> a specific lip gloss pocket yeah our back pockets i think they are specific to when we made them heather they we made sure that any type of lip gloss or lip balm or carmax would fit into our back pocket so absolutely i can approve it lip gloss compatible we yes. are we are friends so 2023, you know, we set these resolutions, we talk about goals, any company goals you would share or, you know, for our listeners that can help support you moving into 2023? Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes back to that sustainability piece. And, and that is really getting to that point. We had our list of products that we wanted to move over to that sustainable fabric makeup. And I mean, those include like the larger movers for us. So we have like the New West, the Detour, the Motive. I mean, then our chamois systems and mountain surf shorts. Anyway, some of those bigger moving pieces, higher volume pieces or whatever you want to say, more popular items. We definitely wanted those to migrate over to this new fabric base. So that that alone was our largest initiative for spring 23. We do have this really cool program that we've been working on called the Ride Program. And it it didn't preempt the sustainable movement as a whole, but it was like, it almost led us into that place. So the Ride Program consists of a fabric base that we're using for men's and women's shorts and a new men's pant, the rider pant that we have. So that'll be available in spring 23. And it's super, super cool fabric. It's a combination of recycled poly, nylon, and cotton. And so the cotton just has this really beautiful hand to it. it has a, I think about 11% spandex, so a ton of stretch, recycled poly for that sustainable story. And it's super cool shorts. So we have the short program for men and women and then the new spring ride pant coming out in this program too. So that was one of the big initiatives for spring 23. That sounds fun. That's awesome. It is fun. Yeah. It was, it was cool to be able to put together the fabric. And I mean, that's a little bit, I mean, people don't realize it is that you just don't go shopping for fabric. Sometimes you have to actually make it based on the denier of the yarns and the weave and the type of weave. And there's like hundred different options that you choose from as far as like coming up with the fabric to this. So it's not just you buy, you know, yeah, it's not just you go to the store and buy fabric and make a shirt. It's it's actually developing the fabric itself from the types of yarns and the denier of the threads and functionality of those threads and blends, and et cetera. So yeah, it's, it's pretty technical. Just to continue to have these awesome ideas and bring forth this amazing stuff to the industry. It might I know, be- Billy Bob. Like, I wish I should have stopped at the Billy Bob and just like... I know, you have you know, really got my yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> so that's what I had back then. I was just like, I don't know, what are we going to do? Like, I'll cut the sleeves off a shirt and make it? Yeah. But actually that was, I can't even take credit for that, you know? So Chopper, oh geez, Chopper back in the day. So Chopper was, you know, Ask Chopper, if you remember him from like Bike Mag or something. I can't remember which magazine. But anyway, he used to work for Smith, which used to be in the Valley. So Chopper anyway, was leading this log pole, which we had. So it was like this 4th of July situation. It was a bike event kind of deal. And we had this log pole where people would line up and pull, you know, these big logs with their bicycles and it was kind of a drag race, right? And so anyway, he was emceeing the log pole with, you know, cut off club ride shirt. And I'm like, that thing is rad. And so I made one, I'm like, it is super rad. And then I actually brought them into production. So yeah. I'm taking a note that at one of the outer bike events where we hang out, we're going to do a yeah. log pole. <laughs> it's happening. Oh, I do it. So I do it at, I took the idea. It's not like, I don't think he came up with it, but he may have, I don't know. But we do it at the Hurricane Mountain Bike Festival. 
so, you're yeah. already doing it. So I need to come to you with that. <laughs> you got to come with you. Yeah, you guys just got to show up and I'll get you a bike and attach a log and you could pull it down the, the middle of the street. Yeah. It's yeah, like, it's yeah. a ton of fun. Like it's cool to watch the spectators, like, you know, get into it and you have kids and adults and just everyone having a great time. So it's, and it's then people are going to be like, I want the shirt that that guy is wearing. Yeah. That girl is wearing. <laughs> yes. that And that. Uh, all right. Let's flip back over to clothing in store because, you um, know, I have, I have you here. Many of our listeners might be retailers who are struggling with selling clothing in store. Anything that you've seen people do over the years, any pro tips that you might suggest to stimulate clothing sales in store? Yeah. First, I would go into, geez, I would walk into an Athleta or a Title IX or even like a Gap or like, you know, one of those retailers that merchandise beautifully, right? And it just kind of like take some notes, maybe snap a couple photos here and there, look at what they do and how things are hung and how things are folded and how things are laying and like, you know, what the staff is doing to the clothing because they do it really well, right? They they present, they merchandise they bring colors together. They have mannequins. They have these things. And I'm not saying like you got to spend like tens of thousands of dollars to do that, but you know, nice hangers and you know how things are really displayed makes a really big difference. I mean, you form an opinion within five seconds of walking in somewhere, right? And so if you walk in and you know, all of your like lycra underwear is like stuffed into this like dark corner and things like that. And like, you know, some are sticking out because this is hard to hang. Well, yeah, chances are you just, you know, reduce the conversion on that pretty dramatically. So make sure it's like a really appealing shopping area to present to your customers. So anyway, I I like to go there anyway and and just kind of take notes and see what they're doing and how they're obviously what they're doing for color and, and other trends. But, you know, it's from a retailer perspective, it's like, how do they have certain things? And it could be like, do they have blocks or do they have, how do they have their tables set up, you know, and grab some ideas and always you want to move things around. Like, you know, if you become stagnant within the store, you know, I mean, move things around. It's You either have to, you can move things around or you could, you know, sell and buy new things. And so if you move it around, obviously it looks like a fresh new look of the store. And I'm not saying like do it every day or every week, but like once a month, you know, re-merchandise. So you having a merchandise manager or having somebody responsible for that job within the store, I think is super important. So you know what you have, you know what's selling, you know what's not selling, you know what to put on the sale rack when it's not selling. And then you have this fresh, kind of look for the consumers that are coming in and possibly seeing something new that they didn't see last time. Anyway, so hangers, how it's merchandised, how things are colored together. You need tops and bottoms that work from a color story. So you want to sell tops and bottoms. I mean, somebody comes in and they're looking for a top and that's what we're really good at because the colors work really nicely together. And obviously black works with black too, but you know, it's like this top goes with this bottom. And so make sure you're buying that way as well that you can upsell or do whatever or create the kit if you want to. And then, yeah, so you have your tops, your bottoms, and then you're obviously your chamois, which is important, obviously, for bike as well. So make sure that those pieces are all in the store. You have good size runs and you always have good size runs. And don't be afraid of the sale rack. You know, it's like the sale rack is there for a reason. And there should be a calculated percent of your inventory that will hit that sale rack at certain points. Don't try to like hold on to it for years to get full margin. You're, in my opinion only, and I'm, again, like, I've only done this for 14 years, but in my opinion, that sale rack has a place. And if it's not selling, you either contact your, you know, manufacturer is going to hate me. You, you contact your sales rep or the, the person who sold you the stuff and say like, Hey, can we rotate this out? Or can we do something, you know, not the entire collection, but a style or something or a color that just didn't jive with the consumer that's coming in, you know, find something fresh and keep it looking nice. Dressing rooms, super important. Like you have to have a dressing room not just your shop bathroom, unfortunately, like sometimes I know it's just is what it is, but then do something about it, right? You know, that's not where you keep your mop bucket because if you have a man or a woman consumer coming in and going like, oh, I got to go change into these shorts to see if they fit. And there's a mop bucket sitting right there. Now you're, you're just dead in the water at that point. So make sure you have a, a nice, safe, clean changing room if you can. And a mirror that is, you know, nice and not wavy and actually has a full body mirror because people, you know, will buy what looks good on them. So the dressing room is extremely important. Yeah. On the, you know, men and women too, it has to be, it has to be a safe place and people have to be felt, you know, made to feel comfortable there. And again, like, I don't want to say like women are different than men. 
Yeah. It's just different. So it's harder, I think, for a female to walk into a bike shop and buy clothing when there's six guys working there and mechanics and things like it's just hard, you know? It's it's hard for guys to do that sometimes. I get intimidated, right? So like really look at that from an owner perspective as to the consumers that are coming in and are they comfortable walking into the store? What are the employees wearing, doing, saying, how are they speaking? All of these things is like, you know, super important is to the DNA and the, the authenticity of your brand as a store and to help customers feel comfortable to be able to ask, to be able to ask questions, you know, and, and not felt less than or something, you know, and the intimidation factor. Mike, that was a fantastic list of best tips for retailers when it comes to setting up their clothing. Literally just made that up right now. I'm just kidding. I've seen it. Like I've been to so many retailers across the country and world and it's just like, the amazing ones are amazing and it's hard. It is hard to keep your store like looking fresh and clean and constantly merchandised. It's not just like, it's not just soft goods. It's everything. Like what do the goo packs look like? What do the water bottles look like? You know, our places going back to that retail math, right? You're spending whatever, like divide your showroom floor by the amount of money that you're spending. That's like each square foot has to pay for a certain amount of that that retail. So are your good margin pieces in the places that make the most sense, right? You know, so identify those high velocity areas within your store, put high margin pieces in those locations. And, you know, it's retail is a tricky thing, man. It, it is a science for sure. And as an owner, you're accountable for knowing that really. So it's kind of fun if you make it fun. And it's just like, you know, on we run A-B tests all the time online, right? Like, does this work or does this work? You know, you kind of got to do that too. On the retail side of things is like run A-B tests. You know, does this sell better over here or over here? And then it'll work for a month and then you change it. Yeah, right. And try something yeah. else. Don't change it. Yeah. I totally get that. Talking about educating consumers about the options that are out there. I have some retailers who are using YouTube right now to make educational videos about products. Do you think there's value in doing that with the clothing that you have in store to show people what's available, what's out there? I think so. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Video is key. You know, video is king or whatever the saying is. Content is king. That's what it is. Content is king, right? You know, so I think the more content that's out there about everything is just more information for the consumer to be able to like identify what is best for them. And then they'll get, you know, insight into the, from the shop employees and staff and owners as, as well. Yeah, I think the more content that you could put out there about the products that you sell, the better off you are. You know, again, you have that, there's so many jobs that we could possibly do. So you have to pick your battles as to what's going to be important and really what's going to move the needle. Like don't sweat the small stuff stuff. And if if you feel that content can really help your store, then by all means do it or work with brands that have good content and good information on their sites and on their YouTube channels that help the consumers become aware and understand what, you know, you're trying to sell them. Yeah. And that's, um, I mean, that kind of plays into staff information too. Like staff has to understand like what the product is at the least, you know, like when some of our retailers sell club, right. I absolutely want them to know the DNA and the history and the brand story, you know, this cool, small, authentic lifestyle brand out of Sun Valley, Idaho developed this product about 14 years ago that helps you like ride your bike and go drink beers. Done. Like that's all I really want you to know. Like, and then do you like blue or do you like red? You know, does this fit or is this not, you know, it's like, just tell that bit of story about the company, you know, of a little bit of the history. So you understand. And yeah, you, you give that consumer, like you get that, not a hook in a bad way, but like, you know, this connection, I guess, you know, the hook is a connection, the connection between you and the customer, the customer and the brand, all of these things kind of play together to create a relationship. And that's, that's super important. Yeah. And when you have branded apparel for your staff, you put your team in, you know, in the club ride shirt. I used to put my guys in the club ride jeans and they would get stoked on it. And then they're talking to customers about it. And next thing you know, it's they're on the group ride. And yeah. So are we going IPA or what kind of beer do you like? Mike? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm an NA guy. I, I stopped uh, drinking beer like 10 years ago. Have you tried that athletic brewing? That's I do. Cool. Yeah. I bought some last night, as a matter of fact. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot of great non alcoholic beers nowadays, which is super, like, it's awesome. Like to have like a really, like a good IPA, NA, or yeah, there's some good stuff. So that's kind of cool. Well, a couple more questions for you. I'm sure you're probably paying attention to what consumers' expectations are when it comes to, 
price they're willing to spend and what they're just looking for as far as styles. Do you think that people are willing to spend more for a good technical piece of clothing that they're going to have for years or anything, any intel you can give us on what consumers are expecting when it comes to. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's kind of, we're actually literally having this conversation an hour ago. There's definitely an elasticity as to where, you know, the pricing can be. It's funny because manufacturing is not cheap, you know, despite what people think it's expensive to manufacture and supply chain is expensive and, you know, transportation and, you know, everything is expensive. You know, I, I think consumers are our consumers, our consumers, club right consumers are willing to pay a little bit more for products that are really good quality that lasts a long time and that have a value to their lives in the various places, right? So that are additive to the experiences in their lives, not just doing one thing for them, but that they're able to bring with them to the multiple activities that they do on a day-to-day basis. That's our consumer, right? And so I think there's, you know, there's different consumers that shop for different brands that might have a different sort of mentality on price levels. But our consumer is, you know, there's there is a ceiling. Absolutely. Everyone has one, right? But our consumer is willing to spend a little bit more, I guess, to have a product that does one that is amazing, you know, <laughs> and two is does many things pretty darn well. Yeah. No, I can attest. I mean, my club ride stuff, as you said, I can get years, years out of it. I love it. It lasts so great. And um really excited. I just got, I don't know if you know, but I just got the whole MBDA board, all new flannels, MBDA logo. So that's coming, I think, next week. Well, you maybe there was I know that. I saw it. I come here and <laughs> it might be discussed this. <laughs> yes. I did know that. Now I'm I'm pretty stoked to work with you guys and it is awesome to see like the various places that the logo stuff, you know, we comes out and we, we work with a lot of like Nike coaches. So you see a lot of coaches outfits and parents outfits. And, you know, when they go to the events and things or weekly training with club ride stuff, we've done stuff like even like large corporations where the CEOs or whoever is like a huge bike fanatic. And they're like, we want to buy club ride for all of our clients. And you're like, you're running an insurance company that's doing like in Jersey. And you're like, I love the bike. And you're like, Awesome. Like, (laughs) perfect. We love it. You know, so it goes all over the place. But yeah, custom, custom, custom. I think I can't say enough about it. Really, it is such an important part of your business to have something with your brand, your logo that people are wearing. And it doesn't have to be like in your face. Again, like I don't want to harp on this. It doesn't have to be like on the the chest. It could be like a little like hit on the bottom or something just to, to make it a little bit more slightly, I guess. So you mentioned Michael on your team. For our listeners, there's clubrideapparel.com, but what's the best way if they do want to get a custom order started with you? What should they do? Who do they reach out to? Yeah, Michael at clubrideapparel.com is the manager that takes care of all the custom stuff. So he'll facilitate the process from like, you know, oh, awesome. I'm glad you're stoked on the custom pieces. Have you taken a look at the styles yet? And then he'll get you the mock-ups and manage the orders and things like that all the way through the process into delivery back out. So it's, yeah, so it's about, I would say, you know, from the time you approve the mock-up of the garment with your logo on it, by the time it hits your doorstep should be about three weeks. You know, and that's probably with some shipping time here and there, maybe three and a half weeks, depending on what, you know, FedEx has been a little on the challenging side lately, as far as the delivery times goes, maybe three and a half weeks. And again, like take into account holidays and other things like that too. So, but anyway, it's pretty simple. Our warehouse is down in Salt Lake. So it's, you know, a couple of days up here. My guy internally to get him embellished is, you know, week, week and a half, two weeks, and then the shipping time to your place. So that's why I'd say like, That's awesome. So by the time this podcast comes out, we could get retailers ready for spring. I mean, we could be here. It's perfect timing. I love it. Yeah. I think yours is going to be here today is what I heard earlier today anyway. See, I I do follow it. I know. I know. I know. I don't want to know, but I do know. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone wants to get a hold of you, if they have additional questions for you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Come and visit me. Let's go ride bikes in Sun Valley. As long as you give me like two weeks heads up notice, I would love to ride bikes with anybody that wants to come and visit this amazing place. So literally like, yeah. So yeah, Mike at clubrideapparel.com. So Michael is custom screen guy. Mike, me at clubrideapparel is everything else guy. Yeah. If, if you're a retailer that's looking to add a program to your store, you think that again, we could be additive to your story, reach out to me. And then I do have a sales guy 
that I would connect you with, but we could talk about what that looks like at the very beginning. But yeah, back to back to Sun Valley. Like, yeah, I mean, put this on if you haven't yet, and you know, the locals will probably kill me for saying it, but whatever. Yeah, Sun Valley is an epic place to to ride bikes. So typically between June and yeah, September anyway is, is kind of those prime months. So if you haven't thought about Sun Valley as far as a destination location, it's way up there. Yeah. I rode there one time on the way to the BC bike race. I like I drove up and it was beautiful. I, it was a day and I can't wait to go back. So I can yeah. vouch for that. Yeah, it's it's a lot of like backcountry riding, you know, like very few or or yeah, almost no like I guess man-made trails. Yeah, it's a lot of just backcountry riding where you could do whatever, you know, like epic, uh, blah, blah, blah. You know, like 20, 30, 40 mile days and just set up on top of like an 8,000 foot sort of mountain peak and ride across ridgelines. And it's it's just, yeah, I mean, it's therapy. It really is. And I mean, again, that's kind of like I do what I like. That's what made me sort of make the things I do is because, man, like just being up there and taking my time and I mean, it sounds cliche, but like stopping and smelling the roses and looking at, you know, the mountainscapes and you know, all this stuff. It's like, you know, I rush around all day long, like from time I, you know, I can't, I don't, I don't do it anymore, but like get my kids up and take them to school and they're driving now and whatever, but still like we're meeting deadlines and all that all day. And then to get on bike and, and like, I'm not a Strava guy by any means, just because of this, it's like, I just want to take my time and and be in the moment and like enjoy myself on the bike. And, you know, like I said, I love to race and do these things and, you know, there's time and a place, but for the most part, I'm just out there just being there. Right. And so I think the clothing that I make that we make is kind of really parallel to that theory anyway. And that way of life is just, you know, don't take it so seriously and just relax, smell the roses and be in the moment. I am totally connecting with everything you're saying. Yeah. I was up a mountain yesterday morning at six in the morning just so I could be out there and enjoy oh. this. You're one of those hikers, huh? I alpine skied up, alpine tour. But get this, I don't know how to ski. So I get to <laughs> <laughs> Did you take the lift down or something or what? No, I just like rolled down. Oh, <laughs> nice. Good. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. That's a huge, like, that's a phenomenon of a sport where like uphill skiing on like the mountains nowadays are like insane. It's crazy. It is. It yeah, is. back in the day, it used to be like me and like five other people like hiking up in the morning. And now there's like a full line of like headlamps. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yeah. I know. Well, thank you. This has been great. Thank you for coming on the podcast. You're an awesome human and the industry is super fortunate to have you. So thanks for thanks, that. Heather. I feel the same way about you. So yeah, it's been fun. And yeah, like I said, reach out any of the audience, like send me a note. If you have any questions about stuff, custom stuff's pretty cool. If you're a IBD or an outdoor specialty sports store and, and are interested in the brand, reach out. We could talk about what makes sense and love to walk you through the program. So yeah, I, I appreciate your time, Heather. All right, listeners, that is it. Thank you. All right. Adios. Thank you for listening to Bicycle Retail Radio. This podcast is designed specifically for the bicycle industry, dedicated to strengthening our retailers and cycling community. If it is your first episode, we urge you to take the time and listen to our past episodes. Support the show by first subscribing, then share your favorite episode online with friends. You can go one step further and leave a review. It helps members of our industry find our podcast. Special thanks to NBDA Development Director Rochelle Scouten for editing and promotional graphics. Music provided by Joel Picard.